You're listening to the Just Means Less ACC podcast with your hosts, Micah and Nick. Nick, how are we doing this day after Christmas, Tuesday evening? Uh, there's another interception by Brock Purdy. Oh, shit. Really? The sixth one. So, Nick, okay. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do a victory lap on you because honestly, I'm going to say this. I am afraid if we do meet again, <laughs> I don't know if it's going to go the same way. <laughs> like the yeah. fact that y'all were in this game, considering how bad Purdy played tells me everything I need to know about how good your team is. But I just <laughs> want, I just want to, to say that yesterday evening, last night, actually it wasn't even evening. It was you know late night was arguably the most amazing ballsy move I've ever done. So like, Nick, to give you an idea, my fantasy team was in the semifinals for the playoffs and we've been struggling because you know, I've got multiple guys like Tank Dell that are out for the year. Justin Jefferson, his, he actually played well this week, but, you know, he had been banged up pretty much all year and not played. And then even when he has played, they've barely used them because, you know, they're kind of like not fully in the playoff, like risk and injury type situation. So, like, I went – like, when I tell you that I went into my final matchup where the guy I was going against was up 20 points going into, the like, the you know, obviously the last game of the night. And I had Zay Flowers for Baltimore – I had the Ravens defense, I had Gus Edwards, and I had Isaiah Likely at tight end. But he had Brock Purdy. And I was like, I am taking a full-blown risk right now that my team has to actually win this game. Because if my team doesn't win this game, probably means that I lose my fantasy matchup too. (laughs) (laughs) So that was awesome because I ended up smoking them by 40 because, you know, the Ravens defense got me like 15 points and Zay Flowers got 20-something and – Likely had seven or eight. Gus had 10. I was like, this is beautiful. And obviously Purdy got him negative one. So, <laughs> you know, that helped my case too. But yeah, sure. it was, uh, yeah, that was, that was actually a pretty good football game though. Like, I know like it obviously like the inner, but I will say some of that really wasn't on Purdy. <laughs> it was really only one interception that I went, yeah, that's on Purdy. Yeah. The other, the other three were like, again, the end of the day this is the nfl you can't put it into a 50 50 chance but I-, I will say man that was the best i've seen the ravens play all year like you could tell that they were actually pissed off about the news they heard oh nick i'm sorry i'm about to celebrate something real quick with i'm on the podcast there's a little cat friend that i have we legit thought he got ran over by a car two weeks ago and he just came up to me so he's not dead so i'm currently petting a cat in very happiness mode so Super random side note, but I got to send a picture to my girlfriend because anyways, there was a, unfortunately someone ran over something at the end of our street where there was blood all over the place and it was definitely an animal and this cat lives on the corner. So we thought this was the cat, but, uh, he is right here alive and well. So anyways, uh, celebrating that victory now too. So we're just on getting dub after dub, but yeah, no. That was a good game, though. Like, I, I can't wait to kind of I – mean, I hope that's the Super Bowl. I really do. I mean, obviously, for, for the sake of it being fun and one of us going out a winner would be fun, too. But now yeah, that was, follow me. That, that, that was tough to watch. I think that was one of the – you know, the last three losses the Niners had, I could put it I, – I could basically have an excuse for those, like, oh – we didn't have Debo this game. We didn't have Trent this game. McCaffrey was banged up in this game. This one, you guys flat out just kicked our asses. There was no way getting around it. Brock was awful. 
That was the worst he's ever played. Um, but oh well. I mean, if that's the worst, then I think they'll be fine. I think and that I, was just a very, very bad game. Yeah, I'm just gonna promise never to watch Brock Purdy play again for you too, Nick. Because uh, <laughs> to this day, I was. I, I think I've told you this. I was in person for Brock per- Purdy's worst highlight moment of his career. If you, I don't know if you remember when he threw that interception backwards. To, uh, against TCU in college oh, at, yeah, Iowa State. at Iowa State. Yeah, that's yeah, so I, funny. I, I, just, I just saw that for the first time like last week. Oh, really? Yeah, I was in attendance yeah, for that. that's the first so, time I saw it. <laughs> yeah, and he still won that game, which is even probably more amazing, to be honest. So he threw a pick six like that and still led his team to a victory. Yeah. But, you know, we just it's crazy. We just can't beat you guys. We can't, we, we can't beat you guys. In 2019, <laughs> we had y'all on the schedule, and we lost. I think that was that really bad, sloppy, rainy game. We lost to you guys in the Super Bowl. And, I mean, dude, Lamar's a dog. Like, I don't know what it is about him and the NFC teams, but he's like, what, 39-1 and against the NFC since he's been an NFL quarterback? I mean, that's just ridiculous. I, I, I don't know how – he does it. That that that's an insane stat. That's crazy. it's almost like the AFC is better than the NFC. It's crazy. Yeah, but. yeah. I, I mean, like yesterday kind of proved it, you know. So and the the Bills are riding high again. The, I would say I would say the three best teams playing football right now, like not like most talented, just the hottest teams are all in the AFC: the Ravens, the Dolphins, and the and the Bills. And actually. Yeah. You could even be ballsy enough to say the Browns beat that category too, because they're playing some damn good football right now. Dude, Flacco's a Flacco's elite. What can you say? It makes me so mad though that all these Browns fans that spent their entire life shitting on Joe Flacco when he was a Raven are now worshiping him, worshiping him like the second coming of Jesus. Like I'm happy for Joe. Like it sucks that like I have to cheer against him because obviously like we haven't locked up the division yet. Because AFC North is the best division in football, but at least in the NFL. So you know, it's just like it's just crazy. It really is. I mean, the Ravens they're they're rewarded with the number one team in the NFC, and then the following week they're rewarded with the well, not number one because clearly the Ravens are, but next best team in the Dolphins next week. <laughs> yeah, like the Ravens are playing the Dolphins on Sunday. It's like, oh great, like. That was the only consolation I would have had to losing Nick is like losing because kind of similar to what happened to you all, it didn't really affect you. It made yeah. you have less room for error, but it didn't affect you. Like you're still the number one seed in the NFC. If you take care of business and the remaining of your schedule is not that tough. So if you, as long as you went out, which you should, like if you play like you did against Baltimore, you still probably went out your next two games. So like you're going to be the number one seed. Like the consolation for the Ravens would have been if we lost – Shit, that sucks. But if we beat the Dolphins and then we take care of business against the Steelers, we would have been the number one seed too. So it really wouldn't have mattered. But, you know, maybe the Ravens will surprise me and actually beat the Dolphins at home on Sunday. That way they can rest against Pittsburgh. We'll probably get swept by the Steelers this regular season, but I don't really care if we're in the playoffs and they're not. Who cares? But, you know, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. But, you know. It was a fun game. How was your How was your Christmas, though, Nick? Was it a good Christmas? Yeah, it was good. I've been kind of under the weather the last couple of days, so I think I'm starting to get over it. I, this is the best. I, I feel better than I did yesterday, so that was good. But, no, it was fun. Um, the whole family's home, which is nice. Um, had a delicious dinner. Um, 
had a delicious breakfast. I got, uh, let's see, what did I get? We do, we do secret Santa at my house. So my brother had me and I think I might've mentioned this one time. I'm not sure. So, uh, my brother bought a house and I'm moving in with him. Um, and well, I didn't know you were me... moving in with him. I knew you bought a house. I didn't know you were moving in with him. Though. Yeah. So That's I'll cool. be moving. I'll be moving in with him. He got a two bedroom, two bathroom. It's very, it's pretty nice what he got. Um, and so he got me a, uh, a nice stainless steel pot for the kitchen, like my own kitchen utensils and stuff. So that was nice of him. I had my younger sister and, uh, I got her. So my sister has been lactose intolerant for like the last few years. Um, and what we found out when we went to Italy over the summer is that she could eat the cheese over there and she can eat all the dairy because they don't pass over in Europe. They don't pasteurize any of their dairy products. It's just raw. So yeah. Costco has raw cheese. So I just bought her a bunch of raw cheese and she's loving it. Like I bought her enough to last her a few months. So um, hopefully she doesn't eat it all at once or else that could go by pretty fast. But, uh, so I got her a bunch of cheese, uh, and she liked it, but other than that, it was pretty good. Can't complain too much. How, how was, uh, your Christmas and you went on a couple of, you went to the big easy too. So tell us about that. And yeah, my Christmas they're like, this sounds terrible. And like, this is not a complaint. Cause like, I actually don't mind it, but like, I didn't open a single present yesterday. I didn't do anything but sit in my like, – I literally sat in my PJs all day. I went for a walk. That's the only thing I did. Like, literally, that's all I did. It was it was very nice. Like, my girlfriend's parents have both have COVID, which obviously stinks for them. But selfishly, Nick, that meant I didn't have to go spend Christmas with 40 of her family members. And, like, it's her whole family, like, does not leave this area. Like, thankfully, she doesn't listen to this show, Nick. So, hopefully, this never gets back to her. Her family is the definition of the East Tennessee hillbilly folk you imagine. <laughs> like accents you can barely understand. English is not really their first language. It's Appalachia is their first language. Like, you know, it is. They're, they're very nice people, but they're just they're. I can only do so much of it. And normally I'm there for five or six hours. And it's it's in the house, by the way, like the houses that we're always at are not meant for 40 people, <laughs> you know, because they're small cabin north, like, Tennessee-style houses. So, like, right. this is just brutal. So, and and everyone owns 20 animals, so there's always 20 animals involved. So, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's holidays. That's what it is, you know. Like, I've always joked, I think the holidays are the big, most overrated thing of all time because it's nice that it brings your family together. But, like, selfishly, I would rather just go see my mom on, like, a random Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Spend Christmas with them, like. You know, it's crazy. Maybe it's an awful take, but like, it's because I think about it. How many times do you hear people being like, oh, Christmas was so terrible because my turkey didn't come out right, or I didn't wrap my presents right, or they're like, I don't need any of that unnecessary stress. Who cares? <laughs> like, that's forced stress. Don't need it. So that was nice. Uh, no, the weekend trip was really fun. Um, you know, had a blast covering a couple of different bowl games, seeing different places. Checking off a new state's always nice. New Orleans was really cool. Um, you know, getting to, uh, you know, I, I appreciated Tulane knowing that I was going to try to get into the football stadium by leaving that nice message up on the video board of beat Virginia Tech for me. Or, and the best part is, Nick, I don't know if you know, but like Va Tech being called that 
is like the biggest pet peeve of Virginia Tech people. Like they hate it. They hate yeah. it. Like, because they're like, it's it's either VT or it's just Tech or it's Virginia Tech. It's not VATEC. They hate right. that. So, like, seeing that just, oh, chef's kiss. Shout out to Tulane. Clearly knew I was coming. Um, I only watched a couple minutes of practice, Nick. And I mean this in the kindest way possible to Tulane. Um, they look like they were just there to get extra reps, and that's it. Like, I, I don't know if they're going to even compete. If Virginia Tech cares at all, they should smack Tulane. <laughs> like, nothing that I saw in practice. Like, they had juice. I'm not saying, like, they were, like, didn't care or anything like that. But you could just tell, like, Michael Pratt wasn't there. Some like, literally every guy that I knew on the Tulane roster, I was like, oh, I don't see him out there. I don't see him out there. I don't see him out there. <laughs> like oh yikes <laughs> and like it was awkward because like Willie Fritz is gone the people that are coaching the bowl game are you know half of them are leaving as soon as the game's over to go join Willie Fritz at Houston um my favorite thing was I got a tour of like the facility by the way super nice like locker room set up hallway set up like for how little space they have there in uptown New Orleans holy sh- that was nice but they were like there was like they were literally in there, you know, because you know how it works. You get a new coach, they want to change all the phrases, you know, because Willie Fritz's big thing was one and oh. And I think there was another one too, like, you know, the ball's not deflated or something, something like, some like, you know, basically control, you can control kind of thing. You know, everyone's playing with the same stuff. And like all those slogans, like you can, like, they had contractors in there measuring out like the width of the walls and, you know, putting up sample decals is like, so, like, you could just tell if you're a player, you're walking in and out, you're like, this place is going through an overhaul change. <laughs> you know, which obviously just, like, then you're not as, like, we're, Virginia Tech's obviously the exact opposite. Like, this is like, all right, another day to build, another day to get better, another day for, like, you know, build for next year. So, it's just, like, a weird, weird thing. But, no, that was really cool. Their basketball arena is the sixth oldest in college basketball. I didn't even know that. So, that was kind of cool to see how how old that place was and how historic it can be and, you know. Got to watch a, a really good bowl game and a really shitty bowl game. So <laughs> it was, uh, you know, it was, it was a good time. So definitely can't complain. I'm, I'm thinking about going to the Mayo Bowl tomorrow, Nick. If tickets drop to $50, I'm going to pull the trigger. But I don't think it's going to. But if it does, for some reason, I might make the trip over to Charlotte for that because i got nothing else to do. But, yeah, no, it was, it was, it was fun. Very nice. Sounds good. But all right, Nick. Well, let's uh let's get into it. Obviously, we we previewed up till yesterday's game or tomorrow's games. Excuse me, not yesterday's games. There was no games yesterday in college football. Uh, before we get into the games we haven't talked about yet, Nick, are there anything that you want to have? Have any of your opinions changed since we last met about the three games tomorrow, which is Virginia Tech, Tulane, and the Military Bowl, North Carolina, West Virginia, and the Mayo Bowl, and then Louisville, USC in the holiday bowl is there anything you need to add want to add any different opinions or anything you really want to restress because obviously you know if you listen to the last podcast you heard what we thought about those games but nothing has changed on my end again i like that's why i told the the two lane story i think if anything it just reiterated how important i think this game is for virginia tech because if Tulane does win this game it really will change my perspective on Virginia Tech going into next season so I'm just kind of curious like has anything that you've heard seen on social media changed 
anything about how you feel about these games that are tomorrow? No, I can't say nothing's really changed. Um, I think everything's kind of gone the way we predicted it uh, of the games that I've already played, at least what I've said. Um, but no, I think Virginia Tech should handle business because of what Tulane has lost. Um, I think West Virginia should beat Carolina, and I'm still riding Louisville against USC. Um, nothing really has changed, in my opinion, for the three games coming up tomorrow. Yeah, and we'll quickly touch on the games that, that have obviously been played. Um, we were right about South Florida and Syracuse, but even I'm willing to admit I wasn't that right. Like, I did not see 45 nothing happening. Right. Um, Syracuse was, I mean, goodness gracious, that was – I mean, the fact that technically by score I went to a game that was worse – but I feel like the USF Syracuse game was almost worse than the South Alabama Eastern Michigan game. And that game was awful. Um, And the worst part was it was standalone. It was, you know, the last game and only game of the day. So there was a lot of buildup to it. So yeah, that was, that was tough. I mean, Georgia tech beating UCF. I mean, we both called it like, you know, we, I I don't remember what Nick, I know I picked Georgia tech in my bowl pickums. I, I, I think on the pod I said UCF because I really just didn't know what – like I had no idea how to feel about it. I can't remember what we said or what we did, but I know we talked about that game being competitive and both teams wanting to be there, and we saw that. And I'm just so proud of Georgia Tech because we saw that – like, I mean, they they were just the better team. Like, they yeah. weren't even – it wasn't like they wanted it anymore. Like, I think both teams really wanted it. Georgia, like, and the best part was is Georgia Tech took a punch in the mouth. Like, I mean – when it was 14 nothing, Nick, when I saw that score pop up on my phone, when I was uh, driving I back was really worried. from New Orleans, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, are we about to have this – like, are we going to have back-to-back nights of ACC teams getting killed by directional Florida skills, schools in, the, in, their, in their own state? Like, holy shit. But no, I mean, that was, that was incredible. I mean, that was – I mean, that was three-quarters of pure dominance. Yeah. After that 14 nothing start for UCF by the Yellow Jackets. So, huge shout-out to Brent Key and that team. I'm happy for Georgia Tech fans. I mean, they, they – it reminded me of when Virginia won the Belk Bowl, Nick, in Broncos' third year at UVA, where, you know, when we beat South Carolina 28 nothing in Charlotte, like, we just – there was, like, a spark of, holy shit, there, something, something's good's going to happen. Like, this is not, like, the pinnacle. And that's what it felt like with this uh, Georgia Tech team was they celebrated like it was, you know, uh, one of the bigger wins in years. And it ha- it was. I mean, it straight up was. But you could, like, I don't know for you, Nick, but I feel like that this is just uh, another, like, if the Coastal was a thing still, Nick, I might be picking Georgia Tech to win it next year. Kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah. Like, you know, just the momentum from this, the, the, just the, I mean, and they're killing on the recruiting trail, man. I feel like every day I see, like, you know, kids that are committing there from the portal and from recruiting. I'm like, wow. Or like they're at least appearing in these kids' top threes. And when they've never appeared in these kids' top threes. Like the amount of five stars I've seen in their top five have Georgia Tech has been incredible. Like, yeah, they're not scoring all of them, but just to be in the conversation is a huge step forward. Because eventually you're going to get one and then you're going to get two and then you're going to get three. And then who knows what happens next. So really happy for that program. Um, you know, obviously Duke with the 17-10 win over Troy. 
I'm not going to lie, Nick. I didn't, I didn't get a single eye on this game. I didn't watch a single minute of it because um, obviously I was covering the Camellia Bowl for the Max Sports Connection podcast um, and in the same state, of course. Um, <laughs> but it was, you know, from what I, from what I was told and like obviously looking at the box score and watching the highlights, like Duke kind of jumped out early on Troy and, you know, just never like they never like put it away but they never let up. Like they never like just stopped playing. And, you know, that just shows you what that team was under Mike Elko and what, what that team is. This is not a shot at Mike Elko because like, it should be a compliment. Like this team cared about itself. Like they were yeah. about each other. They didn't give a shit who was coaching them. They didn't give a shit who's playing, who's not playing. Like all they cared about was the guy sitting next to them. Cause you could tell both teams had something to play for with all of the, the craziness and like, Nick, did you see any of the crowd shots? I mean, this was a home game for Troy. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it was. I, I mean, <laughs> I was able like, to. Yeah, I was able to watch some of it because it was on while I was at work, uh, and this is what we put on. It was awesome. Whoa, like, whoa, whoa! You didn't want the Camellia Bowl on? You didn't want to look for me on the sidelines? That's messed up. What a friend <laughs> you are. No, I'm just kidding. I don't care. <laughs> you didn't want to watch Arkansas State and Northern Illinois? Wow, friendship. I see how it is. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But no, it was really good. I mean, that, that was very satisfying. And that was everything that I wanted. Like, it it could have ended more perfect for Duke. Because I think the narrative in my head for Duke was if Riley Leonard doesn't get hurt and uh, they keep some key pieces, yada, yada, they have a better record. And if they just play for themselves in this bowl game, they should win. Uh, if Grayson Loftus is the guy that we think he could be in this bowl game, hopefully he can. They can win. And to beat, you know, eleven and two Sun Belt champ, that's like you know nothing to shrug about. That's a very impressive. The Sun Belt has become one of the best Group of Five conferences within the last two years. Um, so I, I think this was huge. This was huge, huge, huge for Duke. Uh, it, it, it's a rarity to see a team like that win a bowl game when they've lost their coach, they've lost their starting quarterback and they go out and they win. So that, that was huge. Yeah, it was, it was impressive. It, I mean, to be honest, it all started with Syracuse. I mean, yeah. Has the ACC, has the ACC boosted its reputation because of bowl week, bowl season? No, but I, I, I definitely think that at the end of the day, this has sent kind of a nice, reminder that like we're right there and like you know it was it was so accurate that someone was talking about you know because everyone was like oh Florida State's blaming the ACC right for not getting in and Nick I think we'll maybe at the end of this show or maybe you know when we have some downtime in a week or two talk about just the my opinions as someone that works in the industries like thoughts on how the ACC has handled all this but like I understand the frustrations of the ACC because they straight up failed the PR campaign. I mean, just straight up. Like, we didn't do jack shit to make people – like, we just assumed, oh, yeah, if they win, they're in. Like, when we should have been petitioning from the very get-go that we're in no matter what and, like, should have been all over. Like, you know, like we see freaking Sankey on every single television in America pitching how the SEC should get two teams in, you know, if Alabama wins and – we're not even doing it for the one team that should get in for us. So, right. you know, obviously I can see that, that downfall, 
But like Georgia Tech beating UCF is a friendly reminder that the ACC was better than the Big 12 and top to bottom this year. Like the Big 12 had the yeah. better teams at the top, like the top four of the Big 12, I would take four. But from top to bottom, we were better. Like, just plain and simple. I mean, and that was kind of shown by Georgia Tech because, I mean, those were two teams, UCF a little bit higher up in the totem pole, and even Georgia Tech was. Like, that's, that was the big claim to fame, right, was, you know, that Texas went over Oklahoma State was so impressive. Dude, UCF beat that Oklahoma State team by 35 points. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's so damn impressive. Then what's that say about Georgia Tech beating their ass? Like, <laughs> so – you know, that was obviously a good little thing for the ACC. And we've got we've got some games still to go. And, you know, obviously there's opt-outs and things that factor into opinion. But if Virginia Tech can beat the AACs, like a top 25 team every week besides the last week, like literally besides right now and Tulane tomorrow, if, you know, North Carolina can somehow beat this West Virginia team with all that's out. I mean, like if North Carolina beats Virgi- uh, Boston – or, geez, they beat West Virginia tomorrow, Nick. I think that is a like huge, huge thing for the ACC. Yeah, because that again, I think that just solidifies the ACC is better than the Big Twelve. Because I don't want to hear jack shit about, oh well, you know, North Carolina was better, West Virginia. No, West Virginia has almost everybody playing. <laughs> North Carolina is trotting out the B team. Like, <laughs> whose fan base wants it more? I can tell you right damn now, it's West Virginia. So, which yeah. coach wants it more? I mean, I don't want to say that Mac Brown doesn't care because that, that sounds terrible. But, like, Neil Brown knows he needs this, like, to not be sitting on a seat that's pretty freaking toasty going into week one next year. So, you know, it's it, – it, tomorrow will be obviously a big day for the ACC. But uh, let's transition over to what we still have to preview, starting with Thursday at 11 a.m. on ESPN – Boston College plays in Boston at Fenway Park. It's the 24th-ranked SMU Mustangs. SMU is a 10-point favorite. Um, Nick, I mean, just to be completely transparent here, I mean, I don't think Boston College has a shot in hell. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, if SMU even cares in the slightest, like, SMU is one of the better teams in college football. Like, I really think that, like, you know, again, I am a believer that if you don't lose a game, you have the right to say we des- – like, for example, Liberty deserves to be the New Year's 16. As much as – I'm going to be honest, I think SMU is better than Liberty. But I do think that, like, at the end of the day, if you don't lose a game, you can- again, we've talked about with Florida State, like, I mean, what more do you want Liberty to do besides beat the teams on their schedule? And, like, in Liberty's defense, again, like – they were independent and joined a conference. So a lot of their good games that they had disappeared. So, you know, because they had to get rid of them for conference games. But, I mean, SMU has three people in the portal at this moment in time that played any snaps for them. Do you know that the best player in that entire thing is their backup tight end, Nolan Matthews Harris, who only had 127 snaps? SMU is coming in. Fully healthy, you know, minus Preston Stone, who got hurt the last weekend of the regular season. But they did just fine with Kevin Jennings, uh, who started in the in the AAC championship game. He's not as good as Preston Stone, but 
He's a little bit more mobile. He's a little bit more dynamic. And this SMU defense is what makes them special. And we've seen Boston College struggle with good defenses this year. And they're going to struggle with this SMU team. Like, this could be an easy 24 to, like, 10 game. Like, it's, I don't think we're going to see a bunch of fireworks. But – and I also think, Nick, that SMU wants to shit kick this Boston College team so that, that way they can use it as more ammunition to be like – especially if Liberty gets their ass kicked by Oregon, like, you really put them in the New Year's Six over us. Plus, like, again, if I'm SMU, this is a chance to send a message to the conference. Like, this yeah. is a conference opponent next season. If you shit kick them – with your backup quarterback in their in a basically de facto home game for this program in Boston College, you're. I mean, am I going to turn around and try to tell you, Nick, that SMU is winning the ACC next year? Hell no. But are, are we going to start putting SMU in the potential top seven, top eight of the conference preseason next year? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so you know, this is a really good chance to send a message. I mean, Boston College, uh, obviously, you know, we'll, we'll still be rolling out with Castellanos. Um, but Emmett Moorhead's in the portal, so he's not available. Pat Yarrow is not available. He hasn't played since week nine, but he is in the portal. Cam Barfield, who's kind of been a, you know, he was a back earlier in the year that got some time. He's in the portal. Got an, like a lot of the guys that are in the portal, Nick for BBC, that aren't playing at least, um, they haven't really played since the early part of the year. So I guess there's that benefit for them. You know, Cole Watson's out. Elijah Jones is still out. Uh, Jalen Cheek is out, who did miss the last week in the season. You know, so there's not a ton of opt-outs for Boston College either. But that's like, that's what's crazy is like, this is not a fair matchup. <laughs> like, SMU is the number 24 team in the country, and we ranked Boston College what, like, the 11th best team in our conference. <laughs> like, I mean, like, just being honest, like, yeah, this is like. Like, Virginia – I would rather have Virginia Tech playing this SMU team, and I'd still be hammering SMU. Like, this is – like, this is nuts. Like, you know, I, I just, like – I I think Boston – I think, excuse me, I think SMU covers easily. Like, I think this is, like – I'm going to say 30 – I'm going to say 28 to 10. That way I'm staying under because I do, don't think there's going to be a ton of points scored. But, like, Nick, this has the potential, in my opinion – if SMU wants to send the message that they easily could to be similar to USF and Syracuse. Like the only difference is I think Boston College will have a little bit more care than Syracuse did. But this is also a very unfair matchup. Like, I mean, this – Nick, to be honest, like going through the bowl games that we have played so far, SMU is the best team that has played in a bowl game against any ACC team that we've at least discussed so far. And guess what? Boston College is probably the worst or second worst team we've talked about playing in a bowl game. Like, mm. <laughs> not a fair matchup. Like, like SMU would beat Duke. SMU would beat North Carolina. SMU would beat Virginia Tech. SMU would beat, like, obviously you would beat Syracuse. Like, it, I think SMU would beat Georgia Tech. I mean, <laughs> and, and then we're, we're, we're trotting out. Like, the only benefit Boston College has is that they're playing – at Fenway. But Nick, guess what? Remember how Fenway is normally like, you know, Boston in the wintertime is like 30 degrees. So we're like, ah, maybe SMU won't care about the cold. Oh, it's going to be a nice 55 degrees to kick off. Like, <laughs> so there's not even like the, you know, maybe the cold weather factor that could potentially allow Boston College to come out of the gates swarming. Like, no, it's, uh, 
It's 11 a.m. I will wake up at 10.57 for this game because I don't have to work this week, so I'm definitely sleeping in. I will wake up and turn the game on. I wouldn't even be shocked if I fall back asleep in the second half of it. <laughs> like, it, I'm not, like, not looking forward to this game at all. Yeah, th- this could get really ugly really, really quick. And honestly, it could end up like what we saw with USF and Syracuse. Uh, we talked about Boston College, how we hoped – when they were six and three that they wouldn't uh, collapse and they did. And now there's really not a lot of hope. Like I, the only hope I have is really Ta- Thomas Cassianos. He's kind of just played the same while everyone around him has kind of not looked so good. Um, and I think you put it nicely where you said Boston college is like our 11th best team, 12th best team. And SMU is number 24 in the country. And there's a lot on the line for SMU. Like, they, they have a lot to play for. Um, like like you said, they're pissed off that they didn't get the New Year's Six bid. And they want to show this conference, like, hey, we can we can tussle with you guys. We can tussle with the ACC. Um, I, I, I think you hit everything. There's not really much else. Like, this is not a good matchup for Boston College. They have not looked good down the stretch of the rest of the season. Um, again, like, I don't know how many BC fans are actually going to be there, even though it's in Boston, but. No, we'll it should see. be a good BC crowd. It sounds like it's going to be a pretty, like, again, it's going to be a good BC crowd, but like, yeah, obviously the game's not going to sell out. Um, there's a chance of rain. Like that could be the saving grace for Boston college that, that it might just be awful weather. So nobody's offense can do much, but I mean, yeah, it's, my uh, my expectations for BC are very bleak in this one. Yeah. All right, we move on to another baseball stadium, a 215 kickoff on ESPN at Yankee Stadium. We've got Miami and Rutgers. Uh, Miami opened as a favorite. Now Rutgers is a one-point favorite. Um, I am shocked it's only one, Nick. I mean, I'm just going to read the list of opt-outs for, for Miami. Tyler Van Dyke. Committed to Wisconsin in the portal. Colby Young, starting wide receiver. We've got starting linebacker, Corey Flagg. Starting edge rusher, Jafari Harvey. We've got, obviously, Emery Williams is hurt, so now we're down to third-string quarterback, Ja'Cory Brown. Uh, starting quarter, cornerback, Daryl Porter is still out, so he's obviously not going to be playing. Uh, we've got starting safety, Cameron Kitchens, out. He opted out. Starting safety, James Williams, opted out. Starting defensive tackle, Leonard Taylor, opted out. Starting center, Matt Lee, opted out. Starting left guard, Javion Cohen, opted out. Miami is likely without four starters on the offense and five or six on defense. And most of them are in kind of key positions on the offensive line, quarterback, receiver, where Rutgers, only one player is in the portal with over 200 snaps and that's their offensive tackle, but he also lost the starting job halfway through the season, so not even a starter. We have a couple injuries, um, but again, one is only recent with Johnny Ling and their starting tight end. And then their star cornerback, Max Melton, opted out. Everyone else, including their star running back, Kyle Mon- – I can never say his name right. Monagai, Monagay, he's playing. Um, Rutgers is playing in New York. It's going to be a pro Rutgers crowd. Um, the only saving graces from Miami is I do think Mario's going to try to win this game. Like, this isn't like a right. we don't give a shit moment. Yeah. But Rucker, like, because Miami is better than Rutgers. 
we lined up Miami at the end of the regular season and Rutgers at the end of the season. I'm picking Miami. But I am not picking Miami with every like, – I mean, I just named 11 key pieces out. 11. And I know Miami has a bunch of dudes behind – you know, like, they have they have more depth than Rutgers. Like, if I listed 11 Rutgers guys out, you're like, oh, God. Like, what two-star from upstate New York is starting at right guard, you know? Where Miami, it's like, oh, we're replacing him with another four-star true freshman? Okay, at least, like, there's potential he could be good. But – no, I, I mean, it's kind of the theme with the ACC is we're not good enough purely on our own. And I really do think, Nick, the ACC got fucked with its matchups. Like, I really think we got some of the worst pairings in the matchups possible. I really do. Um, and this is just, again, not an ideal one. Um, yeah, I just <laughs> – I think Rutgers wins. I, I mean, I think they win by a touchdown, maybe even more. I mean, I hope I'm wrong because, like, that's the thing. The AC could really send a message with some of these. Like, like if Miami wins this with pretty much an entire, like, B-team playing, that's a really, really positive momentum piece for Miami moving forward. Obviously, it's a huge momentum piece for Boston College to beat SMU if they can do it moving forward. But <laughs> they have to actually win the game. <laughs> right. I don't think they're going to do it. I don't feel um... – like as bad for Miami. Like I feel they have a pretty good shot. Uh, I I would feel better if their backup. Um, I'm blanking on his name. Who was the kid who? Emery Williams. Wrote, Emery Williams. Yeah, I would feel better that if he was playing um, when Tyler Van Dyke decided to opt out. Um, but I agree with you a hundred percent that I think Mario Cristobal is going to coach his ass off in this game. Um, he's approaching the end of year two. He would like to get the bull win out and over with in year two and not have to wait another year. Um, I think he'll have his guys ready. I think he should send a message, like you said, to those freshman four stars or, you know, sophomores like, Hey, this is your opportunity. This is it. Like you want to be a starter next year, go out and prove it. If you, if this is your first time starting. So we'll see. It's it's tough to have that many opt-outs, but I don't know, Micah. I'm feeling pretty good about – I'm going to fall into this trap again. I'm going to fall into the – I'm going to fall into the Miami trap again. Miami in bowl okay. games, I will never pick them ever. Miami never wins bowl games. Too many opt-outs. I, I'm, no. Uh, Nick, no, to give you, you an idea, you know in my confidence – you know how ESPN does the confidence pool? I put Rutgers at 34. And this is before I knew – some of the opt-outs for Miami. Like, I just saw a motivated Rutgers team. Like, that's the thing, too. Like, Rutgers is not, from a pure talent standpoint, it is not a fair matchup. Miami is more talented. Straight up. I think even the guys that are playing for Miami, the backups, might be more talented than the Rutgers players. Might be. Rutgers is a gritty team with a fiery coach, with their fan base going to be behind them. I mean, Nick, it's a 45-minute drive, and that's with traffic. From Rutgers' campus to the Bronx. Like, half those people can just get on the damn train and be there in 25 minutes. Like, I mean, it's... Yeah, I just... Mm-mm. No, sir. Yeah. No way I in hell. I think you convinced me. Like, yeah. I'm more confident... I am actually more confident in Rutgers beating Miami than I am SMU beating Boston College. Really? Like, I, yeah, I really am. Because I just... I, I, I don't see a world where – actually, that's, no, that's not what I meant to say. Sorry. 
I meant to say more confident than um, West Virginia being North Carolina. Sorry, that's what I meant to say. Not, yeah, uh, SMU, uh, okay. yeah. But, like, you know, SMU is – or, excuse me, West Virginia is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. You know what I mean? Like, where this is a one-point favorite. <laughs> so, you know, I just – I don't – again, I just don't – I have no confidence in Miami. And that's not a – like, I don't think – like, for example, for Nick, in my opinion, if as long as Miami doesn't lose by 40 in this game – I'm not going to take any weight into it. Like, oh, this Miami program's going in the wrong direction. Like, this is the modern era of college football. Like, Mario has got one of the best recruiting classes in college football right now. <laughs> I'm not that worried about what this means for next year. Like, the only – like, this bowl game, minus, again, a 40-point loss, can only help the trajectory for next year, not hurt it. So, that's the that's the bright side of this game. Is it, Like, that's why I am at least excited to watch it because I do feel like there is something to – to look at here and be like, wow, like exciting stuff. Like who knows? Like, again, like you said, we might see a freshman or sophomore that Mario's like, dude, I'm bringing in a five-star kid next year. Why shouldn't I start him over you? Well, if you show up and play in this game, maybe it's your job to start. And at least you have a chance to win it in the fall. Yeah. So yeah. Um, but the bowl games and opt-outs and injuries, you just got, and this one's rough because this is like, this is a lot more opt-out than it is, you know, injury stuff. Right. All right, Nick, let's move on to the edible Pop-Tart mascot bowl. I mean, sorry, just the Pop-Tart bowl with NC State and Kansas State. Um, so, there's a lot of players that, at this time, for NC State, obviously, aren't playing offensively. Um, but the defense, minus what? Nose tackle, C.J. Yeah. Clark. C.J. Clark. At this time is playing? I mean, I saw Peyton Wilson on the depth chart. I don't know if you saw that, Nick, but they released their, like, bowl week depth chart. He was on it. He was, he, he was starting linebacker. So, I – he did announce that he wasn't gonna wasn't gonna play. Hey, so he announced he wasn't going to play. Yeah, yesterday. When did he do that? Oh, he did it yesterday. Okay, see that came out on the twenty fourth. Yeah. So, damn. Uh, he, he, okay. yesterday or two days ago, I think it was. But okay. on his personal Twitter, he said that he I mean wanted to, he was gonna opt out. I mean, if I'm him, I don't blame him. I really yeah. don't because there's yeah. nothing there's nothing he can do to help his draft stock, like. Right. I, guys, I get the whole moral of, you know, let's get your team in 10 wins. But I'm going to be honest, Nick, I think this team can get 10 wins even without him. Yeah, I feel – I mean, obviously, way. like, like even – like, obviously, if he's playing, you feel a lot better. And, like, I mean, Nick, I, I can't speak for him. I'm assuming he's on the trip, though. Yeah, I'm assuming he, he's, he's going to be, be – on the, on the sidelines yeah. and everything. Yeah, like, he's already and, down there. And there's one thing I've learned, Nick. I, 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 so, I talked – I mean, this might not be the most fair comparison. But, so, a couple of uh, – I have some of my interns, Nick, are on the ETSU football team. And I've talked to them about, like, you know, the portal. Because, again, a lot of them are boys with guys that are playing FBS ball, like Power 5, G5 ball. I'm like, hey, like, what are your thoughts on all this? Like, I mean, I straight up told them, like, I'm a college ball fan. I, I hate this shit. Like, <laughs> it's stressful as hell and it's annoying. But I was like, well, how do you guys feel about it? He said, a lot of, like, a lot of people don't understand from the outside. And it was a very good point. They don't understand that the guys in the room, for the most part, get it. Like, if Peyton Wilson's not playing, I don't think the rest of the defense is going, what the fuck, Peyton? You're an asshole. Right. They're probably like, yeah, Peyton, <laughs> get yours. Yeah. You know, 
Nick, um, I don't know if you saw this. I thought this was really funny because, you know, <laughs> there, there, there's some truth to it and there's some myth to it. So, Nick, did you see that Grayson McCall made the trip but didn't play in the Hawaii Bowl? Yeah, I did. So, like, Grayson McCall is committed to another school, <laughs> doesn't play for the team that he's with in the bowl game, but still made the trip. <laughs> um, but it was because of from moral support. And the guys got it, man. Like, they get it. Like, again, no one knows Grayson's number, but they know sure as hell he's getting a nice little nice little check from NC State. <laughs> yeah. Like, they get it. Like, it's one thing if you just quit on your teammates. I'm not going to say who that is, Nick, but, you know, the guy that I know does know some people at NC State, and it's how they feel about this guy named MJ Morris. I don't know if you ever heard of him or not. But, like, you know, that's one thing, right, where you just kind of quit. You kind of are just like, I'm not playing anymore. I'm going somewhere else. Like, I'm not part of this team. That's one thing, right? But it's another thing where it's the right decision. Like, right decision for you. Like, and it makes sense, especially, like, you know, when it's these G5s to P5s, or obviously Peyton Wilson's case. Like, we're talking about a potential first-round NFL draft pick. Right. Like, yeah, like, these guys get it. <laughs> And, and a lot of times, too, a lot of the guys that, like, that are, you know, your, whose opinion would matter the most are guys who are excited to get the chance to, to be the guy. Like, the next man up. Like, they're glad that Peyton's not going to be on the side, like, not on the field. And they're going to have his wisdom on the sidelines, but now they get to be the guy that makes the play. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I don't think there's really too much negative. And so, obviously, with Peyton Wilson opting out now, that is two guys. But, I mean, again, that is what it is. The offensive side is the one that's obviously hurt the most with, you know, we're looking at, you know, Michael Allen, Jordan Houston, MJ Morris, you know, like I'm just going to tell you right now, you might win this game because of, because Brendan Armstrong's a grown ass man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like the offensive line is not missing much. Right. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Like you might have one opt out or one portal guy, but there's not really. I think we have that's... one. Por- I think we have one portal guy. Yeah. One, one starter. That's portal guy. Yeah. Like, you know, you know, Kansas State is in a similar boat. And, like, you know, obviously Kansas State's without Will Howard. Um, Avery Johnson is better, has more upside than Brennan Armstrong. But in this game right here, I think Brennan Armstrong's the better quarterback. Like, he's the veteran leader. It's just, like, this is probably Brennan Armstrong's last ever football game. Like, Hopefully he he he's open to the CFL or the XFL because he definitely can he can still go play pro ball somewhere, but he's probably not getting drafted in the NFL, right? Right. So you know this is his last chance to make a make a statement where Avery Johnson's entire career is still ahead of him. You know they're without Treshawn Ward, one of their best running backs. So similar to NC State, down a back. Um, you know they're down. They're starting safety Kobe Savage, who is an absolute dog. Like their secondary and defense, man, is a little, <laughs> a little banged up. Philip Brooks, their top receiver, opted out. The top tight end, Ben Sinat, opted out. You know, there's a very good chance Cooper Beebe, their their best offensive lineman. I haven't heard if he's opted out yet, Nick, but he was on like the hasn't said whether he's playing or not playing kind of thing. So if he opts out, like that, that Kansas State team is going to be more depleted than NC State, and. You know, Kansas State, Nick, just to be completely honest, is better. 
Like, if we're taking the regular season Kansas State versus the regular season NC State, I would pick Kansas State here. But I do think that NC State down the stretch has been better. I do think that NC State has more to play for. And, Nick, I, I just think that NC State 10 wins is just too much. Like, like I'm all in on NC State winning this game. I'm all in on it. Like, how are you feeling about it? Because this is obviously – I mean, this is a pretty big game for NC State. Like, as a fan, like – and I think these players know it. Like, 10 wins has only happened, what, once in school history? Like, mm-hmm. this is a big freaking deal. Top 25 win. Like, if you win this, you probably end the regular season in the top 15 – and there's a world, Nick, where I think NC State's preseason top 25 next year. I mean, obviously you're losing Peyton Wilson and the quarterback position is going to be a lot different, but people are very high on Grayson McCall. I myself are not as high on him at the P5 level, but we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but how are you feeling going into this game on, on – was it Thursday they're playing? Friday. Friday. Thursday. Is it Thursday? Yeah, it is. Yeah, we're still on Thursday. Sorry. I – Oh, this is the next day, but you're right. We're on Thursday. I feel really good. Um, I will be landing in California three hours before kickoff, and I will be surprising my grandparents with Pop-Tarts because that's what we will be eating. <laughs> <laughs> you have to get strawberry uh, ones because that was what was in the uh, trophy, just, just so you know. The trophy had trophy strawberry ones. So. Okay, so question, because I, I yeah. haven't gotten the answer to this. I'm assuming it's not an actual working toaster. But if it is, that's the greatest trophy of all time. Like, actually, if the greatest that was trophy a working toaster, that's the best trophy in the history of trophies. I still need to know about this editable mascot because I'm so a little sussed out about it. Like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I need to like, see what that thing actually like, looks like. Because, like, my my thing is, Nick, it's like if, if someone's wearing that, right? Have you ever seen somebody get out of a mas- mascot suit before? That shit is gross. <laughs> but you want players to eat this thing? Like there better there better be a solid layer between the shit that's touching the guy that's wearing it or girl obviously whichever that's wearing it and the actual part the players are eating I and mean, that's all I gotta say yeah having been a mascot many a time dude I don't I wouldn't even eat my own sweat bladed pop tart let alone expect other people to eat it so <laughs> but anyways yeah anyways I feel good. Um the Peyton news kind of dragged out and was kind of like, Oh, is he actually going to play? But yeah, I think it's been confirmed. Um, the defensive side of the ball, I feel really good about even without Peyton and CJ Clark, who's in the portal. Um, everyone who is eligible for the draft came out and said, after the bowl game, I will be putting my name in the draft. So they will be playing this game uh, on the offensive side. Look, we still got Brennan. I think we have most of the O-line. KC will be playing, obviously. Um, Trent Penix, who another NFL guy, put his name out there in the draft. Uh, he said he will be playing this game. And wide receiver two, I mean, let's be honest, NC State really didn't have a strong wide receiver two. Porter Rooks, Portal. He's at Eastern Michigan. Uh, Toodle, or no, Timmons. Timmons uh, in Colorado. And uh, Anthony Smith is going to ECU. These were not you know, wide receiver two guys because we really didn't have it. Honestly, down the stretch, wide receiver two was um, Trent Penix. So uh, expect him to get a lot of touches in this game, a lot of passes thrown or a lot of targets to him because I'm sure he wants to bump up that draft stock a little bit. And this is his last game. So uh, expect him to get a lot of the receptions too. 
I feel really good. It, it seems like Kansas State is kind of on the same page as we are where it comes to opt-outs and guys transferring and all that. So, look, I, I don't think the locker room needs to know how big this bowl game is to try to get the 10th win because, oh, my God, the momentum going into next season where we could be preseason top 25. We were a top 10 transfer portal class. We're a top 30. This is Dave's best freshman class. We just extended – Tony Gibson, another three years, which is fantastic. So the defense should be top level for a little while now. So getting that 10th win, the the future would be really, really bright and a lot of momentum will go forward. So I, I think NC State's got a lot on the line uh, on Thursday. And I think they can come out with the win. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm all in on that. Um, I'm. This is by far of the remaining bowl games that we haven't previewed. And even then, like of the ones that haven't been played, I think I'm most excited for, and I'm not even a fan of either team. Like in a way, Nick, like this, I don't mean to be negative in a non ACC Homer way. I like Kansas state better than the new NC state. I'm sorry. I'm just going to be honest. Like Kansas state's my big 12 team. I had seen tickets. I went to seven or eight football games of theirs during the two years I was in Nebraska. Like they're only three hours from me, Nick, like, like, I technically lived closer to Kansas State in my lifetime, besides, like, the six months that I was in <laughs> Winston-Salem during COVID, than I ever lived to Raleigh. <laughs> and I don't <laughs> live that far from Raleigh. So, you know, it's – I have a very soft spot. I have, like, K-State before I moved out there. Bill Snyder, greatest coach of all time. I'll die on that hill. Um, so, I, I'm just like, Nick, if it weren't for the fact that I just – I'm having a hard time justifying, because if I do that – like my mom's not in Florida right now. She's visiting my grandma in Ohio and my parents live an hour and a half from Orlando. <laughs> so like, if I'm going to go all the way down to Florida, I want to see my parents and like, not to say that it's not worth just seeing my dad, but like my dad has to work every day. So I really wouldn't be seeing him much either. So it's just like, I really want to go, but long story short, I really want to go to this game, Nick. <laughs> That's what I'm getting. At. <laughs> like, I really want to go to this game. Um, so I'm very excited to be watching it for sure from home. Uh, I already told Sierra we're going to do a uh, Pop-Tart Sunday bar is what we're going to do. So we're going to get a couple of different flavors of Pop-Tarts, and then we're going to heat them up, throw a little bit of vanilla ice cream on there, maybe some whipped cream and some, you know, sprinkles and shit. We're going to make a nice – we're going to have some fun with it. Um, I'm a little so. I'm a little jealous of my family because I think of all of us, I'm the biggest NC State fan. Like, we all love our teams. Like, we all have – we all share the same team. I would like uh-huh. to say my brother – is a big is bigger 49ers than I am. I would say I'm bigger NC State than he is. And my family's going all out for the Pop-Tart Bowl because my sister is uh, seeing some friends who also went to NC State. They're spending the night here because my sister lives in Texas and they want to see her. They're all going to be watching this game. They're going to be Pop-Tarts flowing at the Dioli house. And I'm going to be 3,000 miles away. So I'm a little sad that I won't be able to enjoy the festivities with them but there will be pop tarts consumed in san mateo california so don't you worry pop tarts not use seed oils oh boy breaking news right there i know hey the things i do god god will forgive me god Nick, will does, forgive me does uh does, does does five guys use seed oils probably oh some reason i thought they didn't that was my dinner tonight nick that's why uh you know that's why i'm walking on this podcast because i'm like 
I definitely consumed about three thousand worth of calories just in dinner because you know I'm sure the one <laughs> burger, the one burger by itself. Because I always forget when I order a, a cheeseburger, right? My brain goes, one patty. Oh no, that's two patties, and then like you know, I ask for grilled jalapenos on it. That means twenty jalapeno chops are on there, and it means enough grilled onions to probably like you know feed like to put on a, a fourteen ounce steak. You know, like there's just so much shit on it. So, anyways, and then obviously the fries they give you. I only had like six fries. I'm like, well, I'm sweating grease already. Um, but okay, yeah, I'm. This is gonna be a fun one. All right, we move on. We've got. Uh, I'm. I'm brain fried, Nick. It's. It, there's a luxury to not having to work, but at the same time, when you sleep in, like Nick, I, I, I did not truly get out of bed this morning besides to like, use the restroom and like, you know feed the animals that we have until one o'clock today because i didn't even realize that i fell back asleep and i woke up at one o'clock when my alarm went off for the bowl game uh two o'clock so <laughs> uh yeah um glass at a bowl game thing but we've got we just have two more games left i guess so I, I keep forgetting that we did six and five i keep forgetting how we did the last one so i thought we had six all right we move on to the friday we've got clemson kentucky kentucky is a five point underdog uh in the Gator Bowl at noon. Um, let's just go through the quickly the list of opt-outs, just to be fair. Uh, Bo Collins is in the portal for Clemson. Mitchell Mays is in the portal. Uh, Sage Ennis and Andrew Makuba. That's pretty much it. Toriano Pride is in there, too, but that's kind of the big ones. Well, we do have opt-outs in Jeremiah Trotter, Rook Orororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororor
I think what they did to Louisville was kind of a one-off. Like, I think that was their surprise win. I don't think they've got two in the tank. Mm-hmm. I really don't. Um, I do think, again, Clemson really does want to be there. I think Dabo is going to have these guys motivated. Um, you know, I know this is kind of a, a – like, I mean, last year, right, they were in the Pop-Tart Bowl or, or the Cheez-It Bowl or whatever it was last year, right? Yeah. Was it cheese? No, it wasn't last year. It couldn't have been because Oklahoma was in it last year, so. Oh, they were in the Orange Bowl. So, so it was it two years ago that they were? Yeah, it was two years ago they were in the Cheez It Bowl or whatever, right? Against yeah, Iowa yeah. State. And yes, yes we saw yeah. we saw that because that was that was the big disappointment game, right? That was the one we we're all like, dude, what the heck, man? Like, there was like we were predicting Clemson to be in the playoff that year, let alone you know playing it, not even playing in a New Year's Six. And sure enough, they're playing in the you know the Pop Tart or the Cheez It Bowl, but now the Pop Tart Bowl because the Cheez It Bowl is now the Cheez It Hitter Bowl because you know. Bowl sponsorships, but I mean, they came out against Iowa State and they played like it mattered. And I think the same thing's going to apply here. So I am picking Clemson to win. Uh, the spread was five, so I guess I'll take Kentucky to cover just purely off the fact that I could see this being a three point game and it kind of covers my basis. <laughs> but I, I, the five to one opt out ratio, like. Not to say that the guys that opted out for Clemson aren't a big deal, because they are. Like, they're, they're important pieces. But I don't think I named a single guy that I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, Clemson's screwed. So, and, and I think that Kate Klubnick, I mean, again, we haven't seen Clemson do much in the portal, but I bet you Kate Klubnick's still a little bit worried about his job moving forward. Right. And this is a chance to – you have a good game with how loyalty works with Dabo – you will for sure be the guy entering the, the, the spring, especially if you play well. So I'm going to pick Clemson. But what, what are your thoughts on this one, Nick? Yeah, I really like Clemson here. Um, they haven't really looked back since they beat Notre Dame. Uh, they looked really, really good. Offense is really starting to click a little bit more. They've got a great running back dyna- dynamic going on right now. Um uh, not a lot of opt-outs. Seems like the O-line is going to be just fine. Um, and I think what you hit, I think what you said, Micah, is very, very true. I think they Kentucky only had one in the tank. I don't see them doing this twice. Um, Louisville was really like, like I mean, Nick, Nick, that, do you that think, win, do you think that Nick, win actually, really pause. saved their season? Pause a second, Nick. I don't mean to interrupt you, but do you think that who right now, if you said line them up? Clemson, Louisville, who are you taking? They didn't play this year. Who would you take right now? Line them up. Mm-hmm. I would take Clemson. I would probably take Clemson. And, again, not What do you think that line is? Probably three. Three? You know, it, it's like – but, like, you know, it might even, it might even be five, Nick. If, if people are saying Clemson, you know, is five points better than Kentucky right now, you would think it would probably be around the same for Louisville. Right. So, like – I. I'll let you continue, but like I just wanted to kind of hammer that point that like I genuinely think that like obviously I still think that Louisville and Kentucky line up again. Like Louisville was the better team, like in some of the stat stuff too. And just the game on the scoreboard didn't say so. Like Louisville just kind of shot themselves in the foot. Where again, I just think that Clemson, like I think Clemson's better than Louisville. And you throw in Kentucky's gotta do it again. Yeah, I just I will never doubt Mark Stoops. Like I'm not saying it's not possible because 
Mark Stoops to Kentucky. I've learned too much about them. They are, they are not the fun. Like they are the wild card at every poker table. You don't want to deal with them. But the odds of them actually getting you are not great. Or like you know, it's like it's, you know, it's not the it's not the, what's the word the, the most likely outcome. So, mm-hmm. anyways, I'll let you continue. But I just wanted I wanted to ask you that question because I could maybe help traject like give you kind of some more ways to predict this game because again I you just asked me Clemson is better than Louisville and I think if you ran it back I would probably take Louisville to beat Kentucky if they even ran it back so right and on the Kentucky side Leary had a decent season and I'm pretty sure he's playing this game Uh, I, I don't see a reason why he wouldn't I think he needs to work on that draft stock a little bit um yeah, I, I, Leary has struggled against Clemson before, and they 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 kind of know him. Clemson knows that quarterback very, very well. So I think you have to take that into account. Um, if anyone knows Devin Leary's weaknesses, it's Dabo Sweeney. So um, as long as Clemson's defense holds up against Leary, I think they should honestly be just fine. But um, Clemson – they're riding high. They're they're Plus, looking really good. Nick, Nick, last I checked, has Devin Leary ever beaten Clemson before? Yes. I'm sure he has. Damn it. Never mind. Well, <laughs> you know, he's done it once. He can't do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're – were you thinking – you might have been thinking Sam. No, I just – for some odd reason, I my brain was thinking that NC State's win over Clemson this year was like the first one in like six or seven years. It's not, but my brain was thinking that. Yeah. So, yeah. anyways, you can continue. But yeah, well, not much left. Just like I think Clemson has really clicked. I think Dabo's going to have the guys ready. There's something to play for in this game. There's there they need respect. They need respect back in their name because for the first time in a long time, they've been outside of the top 25 for a majority of a season, and they're back in it. They they look pretty good. Um, and I think they want to continue to ride that momentum into next season. So we'll see. But I I think Clemson's got this. Yeah. No, I feel pretty good about it. Um, and this is, again, a game I'm – it's the last game of the ACC Bowl slate that I'm looking forward to because obviously we're moving on to the Orange Bowl, Georgia, and Florida State. Um, I'm going to read the Florida State opt-out list um, or injured list or not playing list. Uh Oh, you're right. That's with the entire team. <laughs> and that's the end of the show. <laughs> I'm kidding. But, I mean, Georgia has a lot of people opting out in the portal, right? But a lot of right. them are the second – like, they're the guys that, like – I mean, Nick, I'm just going to be honest. Like, it's kind of – like, it's, it's, it's good for the state of college football when you think about it from the standpoint of after a year of being at Georgia, they're going to find new homes. It's going to – you're going to get five-star kids at schools that normally don't get five stars out of high school, right? But Georgia's just pulling in kids and then saying, all right, win the job, and if you don't win the job, hit the portal. Like, the opt-out kids would probably start at every ACC school except maybe Clemson and Florida State. But on the flip side, they are not the number one guys for Georgia. Like, I don't know how updated this is. The last time I saw this sheet was updated was two days ago from Action Network. But, like, Brock Bowers, as far as I'm aware, has not said he's opting out. Vlad McConkie hasn't said he's opting out. 
Marius Mims, Tate Ratledge, Cedric Van Pran, like, you know, all those guys, if they opt out for Georgia, that will obviously make things more interesting because they've all declared for the draft. But Carson Beck is playing, and let's just be real. Florida State has opting out. Like, Georgia, Florida State, full strength, right? Full strength. I think Georgia's what? A touchdown better than in the in this in the odd spreads kind of thing. Okay, now we go to the backups, the B team of Georgia versus the B team versus Florida State. I'm pretty sure I would say that Georgia's 14 points better. And you might go, well, what do you mean? Well, Georgia's got way more. Like, give credit to Mike Norvell. He has built the depth of Florida State, but they are still not there. And nobody is really at the level of Georgia besides Alabama and Ohio State, and maybe even Michigan. Like from a depth standpoint, right? So we're talking about, you know, again, opt-outs could mean a lot of things, but and now we're talking about, I mean, with Tate Rodemaker not like I am a little surprised how everybody's acting like Tate Rodemaker not playing is the like, oh shit, Florida State's definitely screwed now. Like, yes, I think Tate Rodemaker's better than Brock Glenn, but let's not pretend like Tate Rodemaker is like astronomically better than Brock Glenn. <laughs> like I think the I think the drop off is much bigger from Travis to Rodemaker than Rodemaker to Glenn, right? <laughs> so that obviously plays a role, but dude, this game, like I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say this now, Nick. If anybody adds our Twitter account that says Florida State didn't deserve to get in, or if they bookmarked our tweets about complaining about Florida State getting left out and they use this game as an example, Nick, I need you to let me know immediately, and I am going full fucking flaming hot Cheeto on their rear. Like, <laughs> because this game this game is not at all accurate on who Florida State was this season. Like, it sucks that Florida State didn't decide to do the route of let's try to go claim a national title, but I don't freaking blame them. Like, you were told by a, you know, who are deemed the most powerful people in our sport, the playoff committee, that your games do not matter, that what you do does not matter. So then why the hell would you go out there and win that game? Or, like, risk an injury for your career, whether you're entering the portal, whether you're entering the NFL. Why would you? Like, especially because it's like, it's not like they're going out there, and I don't mean this in any disrespect, but like, you know, UCF went out and played Auburn, right? Like Auburn at that time was not the like other team arguing they should have been in the playoff, right? Like it was just a good, you know, top 10 SEC team. This is the team that was the national champion pick until literally the day of the committee making the rankings. They are also playing with the same chip of we deserve to be in. They are the two-time defending national champion. They are arguably the best program in college football. Why would you even want to go out there and risk that? I don't blame a single one of these kids for not playing. I think I was going to preview it because I kind of wanted to, like, talk about how Florida State can win. And I'm not saying that there's a a zero chance they're going to win, but it's like 4%. Like, am I going to watch it because I'm a sicko and love college football? And deep down inside, I want Florida State to shock the world? Absolutely. But, I mean, goodness gracious, man. Like, this this sucks. This really sucks. Let's see. Tate Rodemaker, Jared Verse, Johnny Wilson. Who else am I forgetting? Oh, I'll, I'll read you the whole list. Tate Rodemaker, DJ Lundy, Joshua Farmer, Bless Harris, 
Marquiston Douglas, Winston Wright, who well, they didn't really play much, Malcolm Ray, Johnny Wilson, Keon Coleman, Jaheim Bell, Trey Benson, Jared Verse, Fabian Lovett. I just named wow. pretty much every player that if you follow the HC, even like in a somewhat res- like respectful manner, you don't just follow your program in the conference. You know those names. I just named every name you knew on Florida State. I named every single one. And I probably have names some of the ones you should have known that you didn't know. Huh. I mean, it's at yeah. it's not good. No. <laughs> like, it's not good. Like and... this floor, this Florida State team, like Nick, this might be a stupid take, but I'm just gonna say it anyways. I think NC State would have a better chance of beating Georgia right now with what we know is playing for NC State than freaking Florida State. I would even say the same damn thing for Louisville. Yeah. Like, that's not a shot. Like, I just named two teams that have quarterbacks that have been there before. They might not be the greatest, but, like, I don't. that's not a shot at Brock Glenn, but let's just be real. I mean, like, Nick, I don't even know if Florida State scores. I really don't. <laughs> like, this could be a game because I, I do trust, like, I think Kirby Smart is a very classy coach. I think Kirby Smart, see, I think both these coaches in this game, Nick, feel for the other. Because I don't know if Mike Norvell will admit this out loud, but I think if Mike Norvell was given truth serum and he was to be told, who are the four best teams in college football, right? Like, we're using not the most deserving. We're using the four best. <coughs> Whether he puts Florida State in that conversation or not, I think he throws Georgia in there, right? right? I think a lot of people do. I know I would. We're using the pure, like, four best mantra. And then you do the flip side. You tell Kirby Smart, like, what? who do you think deserved to be in? I bet you he'd be willing to say Florida State didn't lose a game they deserved to be in. Especially when you factor in the committee has always done most deserving and has never done the four best ever. Mm-hmm. So that is why I think this, like I could see this game, Nick being 28 to like six is the final score. And we're like, wow, like this game was super like, like I could see Georgia literally just like, all right, hand it off. Like, we got possessions that are five or six minutes long that are ending in like, and nobody's being aggressive, right? It's fourth and two at the 13 yard line and they're kicking a field goal, right? Instead of going for the touchdown. Like I could genuinely see that. Like, I really think that both these teams, like not that they're not going to play to win, but I don't think, I don't think Georgia is out there to send a statement. I don't think so. I could be wrong, but I do think that Georgia might just like, Hey, like what they do, what they do a lot with the, like what they did most of the year, in my opinion, in the SEC, which was we are 20 times better than you, especially early in the year, right? Why am I going to show anybody what we can do at our peak? Like if I can beat Florida 35 to 17 without really trying, let's just do that. <laughs> Why pummel them 62 to nothing? Like people aren't going to disrespect Georgia because we didn't win by 30. So. I just think this game could be – I mean, it's the worst game. It's the worst – in my opinion, Nick, it's the worst bowl game left. Yeah. And, like, and we've got Kansas and UNLV later tonight. We've got Rice and Texas State playing right now. <laughs> like, there's some pretty bad bowl games left <laughs> from a 
like uh standpoint, sicko type standpoint. And somehow this might be the worst one. It's crazy. Hell, we got it Tennessee is. and I we still got Tennessee and Iowa still. <laughs> and that might still be better than this Georgia Michigan or Georgia uh, Florida State game. Yeah. Yeah, they, I was really hoping that I was really hoping that Florida State wouldn't have these opt-outs and you know, they would want to prove to everyone that they deserve to be in if they could beat Georgia, but this doesn't look fun. I I'm I'm scared to tune into this game for Florida State fans. Sorry, my throat's starting to go a little bit, but <clears throat> this is not this is not ideal. This is not gonna be good. I pray for Florida State. Just pray for <laughs> pray for Florida State. Because Georgia's literally coming at them full strength and they still want to send a message. And I'm sure they know that Florida State has all the opt-outs and they feel like they can be very confident. And look, I don't think anyone's doubting that if George, if the committee decided to put Georgia in that most of the country would be still leaning Georgia to win the national championship. I think people still do right now. Um, just, uh, this is not going to be fun. This is not going to be fun. Like, uh, I don't know what else to say. Like, there, there's no one to preview. That dyna- dynamic offense with all the names are gone. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what you do here if you're Florida State. Yeah. Um, okay. Since we're ending with Florida State, Nick, I think we won't, we're at the 74-minute mark. We have a tendency to be a 90-minute show. And with the holiday, you know, obviously you go into San Francisco – or the Bay Area, I guess not, maybe not San Francisco specifically, but the Bay Area. You know, I'd like to be able to give you some time off through the new year, right? And I do think we need to address what, what's going on with Florida State and the ACC. Right. Do you want to spend 10 to 15 minutes on that real quick before we call this call the show at night? Yeah, we might as well. Why don't we do it? Okay. This might be the least pro-ACC comment of all time. I don't blame Florida State one damn bit. I think they're making the right decision. And honestly, the AC has no one to blame but themselves. Seriously, I, I really believe that because, Nick, again, I am not, I'm not trying to cut someone that gave me a job, you know, a year or two removed from college and, and an organization, Nick, that like, like I, I think I've earned the right based off how much we put into trying to promote the brand, right, of this conference. We earn the right to be critical to them, right? Is that fair? Do we have the right oh, yeah. to be critical? I mean, <laughs> you, you could go back on some of our tweets and how we've been critical about this conference. Yeah. And like, I think, I think we've earned the, the right because it's not like, it's not like we're doing it just to shit them. Like we're, we're trying to like be honest. We're trying to, you know, maybe even be honest to the point of where we can hopefully maybe find a way to fix it. But mm. the ACC and Jim Phillips failed Florida state. It failed this conference. It has been failing it for the last year or two. It has not thought about the good of this conference. It has not thought about what's good for the sport. Like, adding Cal and Stanford was, in my opinion, a mistake. Mm -hmm. Because a conference that has 
obviously cares about football, right? We say we care about football, but let's just be real. Our, our number one prior, like our, our claim to fame in the ACC is our Olympics. It's our baseball. It's our lacrosse. It's our soccer. It's our women, you know, swimming and diving. It's our tennis. Like that is, that is our sport. That, that is where we, we, us in the Pac-12 take the cake. And obviously the Pac-12 is not a thing anymore. So we had the chance to be that. And obviously adding Cal and Sanford honestly kind of helped booster some of that. I will, I will admit that. But you just made the ACC do a Walmart version of what the SEC and the Big Ten just did. And then we claim we're a football pro conference, right? That's all we care about. We signed the CW deal, and I, thought, I think that was a great decision. I really do. It, like, we got more eyes. It became a trend, right? The CW game was always so good. You know, people loved right. it. It, it sucks for me because I could never watch it, but it was great for 95% of the country. But what we did, and by did, I mean failed to do, by trying to promote Florida State after Tate Rodemaker, or excuse me, after Tate Rodemaker took over for Jordan Travis, was an absolute disaster and a mistake that we should, like, we deserve, like, this conference deserves whatever comes its way. It can be mad at Florida State all at once. And Florida State has obviously been wanting to leave well before that. And I'll get to the Florida State portion of this because I do have I have criticism for Florida State too. It's not this is all on the ACC. But this conference, like this is gonna be a, this might be a crazy technique. Virginia and the ACC have done the same thing. They talk like they care about football, but a lot of their actions have not backed it up. And it's, it's frustrating because we know, like, I do think that Chip Kelly has a great idea of making football its own thing. Because even at the basketball level, it's really not that broken, right? Like, NIL has been tough, but it really hasn't broken the sport. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to, like, like, Nick, I would argue the NIL has been great for baseball. Like, we, we, yeah, we saw some guys leaving and stuff, and who knows, maybe in a year or two we'll see guys opt out of, of games to save their arms or something. But I, I hope that's never the case. But, I mean, it's just – the ACC failed. It really did. And, like, I look back, and I have some saltiness about what happened with my job because I knew my job was never coming back once COVID hit. They were looking – again – it's similar to what the ACC is always like. What we've like, kind of what Florida State's doing. They were looking for a reason to cut it, and they got their reason. In Florida State's case, they're looking for a reason to really go in on this grant of rights. Now they have it, and they have the right to be pissed because, again, we saw we saw the commissioner of the Big Ten hyping up how important like Ohio State, Michigan was, right, and how at the end of the day, like Michigan deserves another chance. We had Greg Sankey for two weeks straight once the Alabama-Georgia matchup was announced, basically going in on how Alabama and Georgia both deserve to be in if Alabama wins, right? Mm -hmm. He basically said – he wasn't saying if Alabama wins. He's like basically saying Georgia deserves to be in no matter what. That's how he phrased it. Right. And obviously, if Alabama wins, they're in. You know, the Pac-12 was even doing a pretty damn good job of that with Washington and Oregon. I mean, the ACC failed. It straight up failed. Like, 
And not enough. Like, if the ACC was smart, you know what they should have done the whole week that we knew that Brock Glenn was playing? You know what they should have been doing? Reminding everyone in the, in the country that Louisville is considered a top 15 team. And this is a third string quarterback who would not even be playing in the playoffs. Right? Right. And we heard it during the broadcast, but that's it. We never truly heard it from anyone of note, right? Like, we had some of the people, like, the, I want to call it the people that get it, that understand it. But, like, wh- why did it take a, a joint statement to be after Florida State was left out? Where was that statement before? Like, honestly, man, I think the ACC had all the right in the world to, after Florida State wins, put out a statement saying, if they are not in, expect a, 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 expect legal action. Seriously, they had the right to do that. Because there is enough precedent in the, in the history of this college football playoff committee to where an undefeated team has never been left out in the Power Five conference. And they have never used the backup quarterback excuse before because um, they put Ohio State in as the last four team in because of their – without their starting quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. And on their third-string quarterback. Again, I'm not saying that I think Barrett's probably better than Glenn, but, like, think – and the factual statements are, like, they're both third-string quarterbacks. On the flip side, and I'll let you go, Nick, Florida State needs to stop acting like they're hot shit when they're broke as fuck. Florida State and Deion Sanders are not much different, Nick. They're talking a lot of shit, but where is it to back it up? Seriously, they are broke, dude. Like, it's not the ACC's problem that you're in a financial deficit and that you need more money. Again, they are not wrong that the money is going to eventually catch up, right? Like, after 10 years of the ACC grant of rights with the new Big Ten deal, you're going to have six, you know, a hundred plus million dollars less than the other schools around you, right? Like, I get that. But in the short term, in the current situation, in the world where the playoff is expanding, so if you just win, you're going to be okay because you're going to get more cut. Like, it's not everyone else's problem that you are kind of in a financial rut because you've bought out so many coaches and you've, fail to properly manage your athletic department's budget. Like, I think it's funny, Nick, because it's true. SMU could buy Florida State right now. The SMU boosters really wanted to buy Florida State, they could. (laughs) I mean, it's just nuts. So Florida State needs to stop acting like they are this entire conference. Nick, I'm willing to say for this what the ACC is, I mean, this might hurt you to say. I think the most powerful brand in our conference wears Carolina blue. Yeah, I was about to bring that like, up. Go ahead. Like, but like, I mean, don't act like you are like Texas and Oklahoma. You're not. Maybe you are in football. Maybe. But even then, man, like, you aren't a, you aren't the longest term member. You came in what two thousand one, two thousand ninety nine. Yeah, like it. They, I've been alive longer than they've been in the ACC. That's all I know. <laughs> like, calm down. Please calm down. Because I agree with you, man. The ACC failed you. The ACC failed 
they, 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 they did not do like if they don't get in, but the AC did everything in their power to make it happen. Fine. But we didn't do everything in our power to, to make it happen. We didn't. I mean, I'll even admit like just not that we can control the playoff committee, Nick, but like even I should have been wait like, even though I kept saying they deserve to be in no matter what, I should have presented more argument. Not that anyone on the committee is listening to our podcast. I mean, <laughs> a couple hundred listeners we have, I doubt. Maybe, maybe Boo Corgan's listening. Maybe. <laughs> but, you know, Boo Corgan, Boo Corgan, Boo Corgan. Maybe, maybe he looks, looks up his name on podcasts and who talks about him the most. But, I mean, dude, it's – what are your thoughts on this? Because, like, yes, I texted you when it happened, Nick, like, oh, the ACC is dead. And, and I think we are dead. But, like, at the same time, I mean – You know, the more I think about it, I think there's hope. Because, dude, Florida State can't afford $560 million to buy this out. And even if this number comes down to $400 million, like, the only saving – like, the only thing that Florida State has going for them is, like, okay, over 10 years, we're making $40 million less. So, if we buy it out now, we can pay it off in 10 years, right? Like, if we drop it down to that level. Mm-hmm. I'm not a lawyer. I've never seen the document. I want to think that this number will not get negotiated down like people think it will. Because I think that would have already happened. I really do. I yeah. think Clemson would have done it already. I really, I really do. Because I think Clemson has wanted out. But Clemson is doing it the way every school that isn't broke like Florida State has done it. Like Florida State's making noise about it because they want people to like – like I think they're trying to get more money from their people. They're trying to make it super clear. Where Clemson's just like, yeah, we'll do it when we're ready. <laughs> Seriously, I think that's what's happening. Yeah. Like, and I think, Nick, I know, like, this may be awful, but I will say I do feel pretty good that our two programs that we care about most are in the clear. I do a little, I do worry a little bit about Wake. I will say that. But, like, at the end of the day, Virginia and NC State, I think, would be fine. <laughs> like, if things happen. And, like, I can't speak for NC State, Nick, but, oh, no, if Virginia joins the Big Ten for football and goes 4-8 and eight every year, Crap, it's almost like I've experienced that every year of my life, pretty much. Bummer. <laughs> Crazy. Oh, the ACC plays a bunch of Big Ten teams in basketball? Seen that a lot. Oh, we're going to be one of the best programs in baseball still and get to play Maryland every year? Sounds fun to me. <laughs> like, oh, no, we get to play Johns Hopkins, Maryland, and, and them in lacrosse? Shucks. Should be so <laughs> difficult. It's almost like we play them every regular season in non-con play anyways. <laughs> so like for me like I, whatever but yeah it's just i it, it, with what has transpired i i lean more towards i respect like i understand why florida state's doing it. i still think they need to shut up and stop like like you're broke like nick i am broke right like you and i don't make a ton of money it'd be like me complaining that i'm not financially stable nick all the time because I go to all these trips. That is my fault. I could probably be in good fine. I could probably have 20 grand in a savings account right now, right? 30 grand in a savings account. I didn't go on all these thousands of trips, right? But I, I choose to make that decision. So you don't hear me bitching about it. Florida State needs to kind of do the same thing, right? Like you're in the situation you're in because of things that, whether it's people that are currently there or past, has happened. But I also do not blame you for wanting out because you were not given – like, at the end of the day, the PR from the ACC failed them. They did. 
Yeah. <clears throat> this has been a sticky, sticky situation. Um, I get both sides. I really do. If I were a Florida State fan, I'd be pissed. I'd be angry. Um, but I'm not. And I kind of get what they signed up for. But, again, the ACC hasn't taken care of them. Um, I texted you, um, Micah, when you said the ACC is dead and we found out what Florida State was doing. And I said, Jim Phillips should have done something when Texas and Oklahoma made the move that he should have gotten the 15 ADs and chancellors together and figured out a new way to earn money. He, they should have sat down with ESPN and they basically figure out a new grant of rights. They, it, it over this summer, it seemed like it was going in the right direction where money is going to be dispersed differently based on how teams do if you make the NCAA tournament in basketball, if the football team makes the college football playoff, and then the CW network captain. And it's like, okay, we got this little trend going on this summer. Maybe something can happen, but nothing nothing else happened after that. And now we see where it's kind of led us. If Jim Phillips, Jim Phillips, ever since he took this job as ACC commissioner, Wanted to make football a priority. Wanted to do make it number one. Wanted to compete with the SEC and the Big Ten. He should have done what I just said as soon as Texas and Oklahoma made the move because that's when it all. That's when the cookie crumbled. So I don't know how much longer it's going to last. I I feel like Florida State's going to be here for a little while because then again, if they buy out, where are they going to go? Because you hear all these things. The SEC doesn't look – they don't feel like they want to expand anymore. I don't think the Big Ten wants to expand anymore right now. I think both conferences are generally very happy where they're at, and I don't think they want another mouth to feed. So, so here's, where do you go? The Big 12, where the money is basically the same, but arguably less competition? No, I, so I agree with you, Nick, on that, Sam, but I will say – and this was brought up – so Bud Elliott, Florida State guy, 24-7 sports, covers three podcasts, follows my personal Twitter account, no big deal or anything. Um, <laughs> but he – so he – fun fact, he has like a – I don't know if it's a pre-law. He, he has some sort of law background, right? Right. He was talking about – and this is a very good point. I never thought about it this way, Nick. So I'm, maybe I'm planting a new seed in your brain. If Florida State can get this negotiated down and can find like a way – like basically we're like, there's an excuse for them to negotiate this down, a.k.a. like there is an out, but it would take such a long legal proceeding that it's not worth it for either side. You know what I mean? Right. It opens the door for all these other deals and the SEC and the Big Ten have the same thing. And you might go, well, why would they want to do that? Okay, if you're Ohio State, right, why do you want to give Rutgers, Purdue, and Northwestern the same amount as you do? When you know damn well that you are providing way more value than they are. Right. Right? So that is what the – in my opinion, that's the scariest part of if Florida State can find a way. is not even what it means for the ACC, but what it means for the Big Ten and the SEC. Because, like, can you fault the SEC for saying, ah, you know what? Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, you do provide a lot for us in baseball. You know who else provides a lot in baseball? 
and provides us more in pretty much every other sport or at least equal to, if not more, and you know, especially in football. Oh, I don't know Clemson and Florida State. Or I don't know Clemson and North Carolina. Right? So then you start talking about, well, all right, let's go down the SEC ladder. Mississippi State, probably no, not much value. Vandy, sorry, not much value. Big Ten wise. Rutgers, what value do you bring? Northwestern, what value do you truly bring? Right? Like when we can add, you know, when we can go down and maybe take, you know, again, we'll pick from the ACC. We can take North Carolina and Virginia. I would argue, no offense, like I'm not trying to toot the horn of Virginia, but I think Virginia is a more valuable property in college athletics from top to bottom than Northwestern. Like, I could be wrong, but that's how I feel. Right. So, and not to say this is completely fair, but the uh, deputy athletic director at Northwestern just went to Virginia. So (laughs) he upgraded to go to Virginia. So (laughs) you tell me, (laughs) you know, like, that's where I'm scared, Nick, is like if Florida – like because if the ACC, you know, the grant of rights of the ACC that's been so impenetrable, right, can be penetrated, then I bet you the SEC and the Big Ten's ones can be too. Right. And it, it'll come from a different side. It'll come from the – like not that this isn't coming from the big dogs of the ACC, but like this is coming from a different lens of like – because, again, <laughs> crazy, but – what if Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, USC, hey, I don't know, who else in the – let's say those four, right, just to start, are like, hmm, what if we left the Big Ten and went independent and did a Notre Dame, right? We made our own little super thing, right? How much more money could they bring in? Because the value of the Big Ten is gone now. Not all of it, but a lot of it, right? Right. <laughs> I mean – you take the half of the Big Ten, they go, like, we'll throw Wisconsin and Nebraska in there, too, just to make it a little more interesting. Like, your eyeballs have, like, what, 80% of your eyeballs, 90% of your eyeballs have just left the conference? Yeah. Like, we're just being honest. Like, I mean, it sucks to think about it that way because as someone that selfishly loves watching Purdue and Indiana and Minnesota, but, like, it's just the facts. <laughs> I mean – that's what's scary to me, Nick, is like that's the level that we could be looking at and what that it could open to. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 sad. It really is. Like, like Nick, again, I I've mentioned it to you before, and uh, I've talked to you about it off the podcast. Uh, minus a potential hiccup that I think I'm cleared. I will be doing every AC ballpark this year. I'm going to do a little road trip. I'm going to do a little segment thing. I'll talk to you about it, see what we, how we want to brand it for the podcast. But, like, you know, I'm getting really excited for college baseball, right? I'm very, very excited. And it's, yeah. you know, it's, it feels like the old college athletic realm. And I'm so scared to see what happens to that in a couple of years, right? When we've got Cal and Stanford and SMU and all kinds of, like, who else, who knows what else is coming, right? Like we, I mean, two years ago, like, I mean, Nick, it's, it, I know it feels like COVID was forever ago, but like I, we're four years removed from my ass being in Miami for the orange bowl. When Virginia's playing Florida, the world is the oyster of Virginia football. And, you know, we're so excited about the future of like of Virginia, like of college. Like I'm, I am at my peak college football interest. Like I am feeling myself. And then the sport gets shut down and only like 
20% of the schools can even have fans. And it changes the dynamic of college athletics, right? And it opens up the door. And then the portal, then NIL. And then, you know, now we've got realignment. Like, so much has happened in four years. <laughs> like, right. Like, I mean, it's amazing. I graduated in 2018 as a Division II athlete. Like, people that end, like, kids that were freshmen my senior year have potentially experienced all this stuff as a collegiate athlete. That's got to be nuts, man. Like, at least I had, like, like a stable consistency thing when I was in college. Like, you could transfer, but there was no portal. There was, like, some places didn't – I mean, you weren't required to sit out a year, but, like, a lot of places made you sit out a year. You know, like, it was crazy. So, yeah, it's just – I don't know, man. Like, long story short, I, I don't blame Florida State and – selfishly man because we just have to be honest we, we care about the sport because it's entertaining this is really entertaining like i am i am anxiously awaiting more information on this legal proceeding i really am me too be- I, I because like 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 it might ruin it might ruin what we love most nick but like at this point like you know it's kind of like when you know you're the girl the girl you like doesn't like you back but she hasn't told you yet you know like at least like just rip the band-aid off right like that's how i feel like okay if it if if the worst happens, at least the band-aid got ripped off finally. And I'm not sitting here going, well, maybe there's a chance. Maybe maybe this conference will love me back, Nick. Maybe it'll love us. Probably won't, but maybe, right? So, yeah, man, it's, it's if crazy. You want, if you want Micah and Nick to become the new commissioners of the ACC, we'll fix <laughs> everything right now. I will say, Nick, I don't want to be the commissioner of the ACC. This is too much of a mess for me. Like, <laughs> I, I, I pretend like I know a lot and I think I'm not like completely just throwing shit to the wall. But like, again, I want to be disclaimer. Jim Phillips job is freaking hard. Every like the PR department, like I, I said, the AC failed you failed Florida state. I'm not trying to say that the PR department does nothing at, at, at the ACC. That is not what I'm trying to say because that job is difficult as hell. I've been there. We're like, you, you can look back on it and go, shit, I wish I could have done more. But sometimes you can't. Something t- ties your hands, whatever it might be. So I want to make that very clear. Like, I am not trying to say Jim Phillips sucks as a commissioner. Because I really don't think this is like – I don't put all the blame on Jim Phillips. I really don't. I think he there's did come perfect, into a sort of a mess. Yeah. I, I think it's a perfect storm of, like, to be very frank, shit. <laughs> like, it's a shit storm. Like, yeah. Jim came into a tough situation. You know, COVID, like the ACC lost a lot of great people during COVID. And I don't mean like passed away. I mean, left the industry entirely. You know, I'm not trying to say that I'm like a great person that got away, but like I to this day think that I could have done a lot of positive for the conference if I was left there in the sales department for championship events. Cause I don't know many more people that would be able to pick up the phone and call and sell tickets to an AC event and have as much energy as I would about it. <laughs> so like, you know, there, there are a lot of people that were in that in the, in the conference offices that were great. And I wasn't even truly in the office. I was in an adjacent office. Like, there were a lot of great people. And they left because of COVID. Their jobs got taken down because of COVID. Because that's how that's what happened. It happened everywhere. We lost a lot of great people. And because of that, you know, the combination of that. And again, like, it wasn't like Jim Phillips was greeted with just the, the grant of rights problem. He's granted with the implementation of NIL. You know, dealing with, like, one of the most diverse conferences of all time. I mean, think about it. The SEC had it pretty freaking easy, right? Like, how many 
schools in the SEC had their states telling them, dude, you can't have people in the building. You can't practice. Like, you have to do all of these things to pass COVID protocol. Where in the ACC, you've got, what, half the schools on a completely different, like, level of shutdown and strictness than the other half of the schools? Yeah. Like, they, they didn't have, like, I am not trying to blame anybody in the ACC because it's, I think it's a joint effort. And some of it, again, is just the world. Like, like life happened. <laughs> NIL happened. Portal happened. COVID happened. It sucks that we're there. And, like, and, and again, like, we can look back on it. And again, I will say that Jim Phillips failed the ACC, like, failed Florida State on championship weekend. And that whole week, he failed them. He did. But, like, there are other things there. And there are, like, and I still don't know if Jim Phillips, if he does, like, like if I, I'm saying if Jim Phillips is out there fighting for Florida State, I don't know if that gets him in. I really don't. <laughs> but at least it allows everyone to feel like, well, they did what they could, right? Yeah. So it, it's sad, but, hey, we have football to watch. That's great. Nick, I'm going to be openly honest with, our, with, with, with you here. Uh, I am being a terrible just means less co-host because uh, I'm currently wearing two lane gear on my walk. Um, so, so like I said, I, like I said in the last show, I, I am, I'm actively rooting for Tulane. I'm willing to say that right now um, because I just think it would be really funny if Virginia Tech lost, but I don't think they're going to, <laughs> which will be very sad because I think, you know, it, 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 it's funny to think that if the coastal was still a thing, I think I'd be picking either Virginia Tech or Georgia Tech as my preseason favorite next year at this, at this moment in time. Like, if Virginia Tech does what they, I think they're going to do tomorrow, like, that would be the debate. Is Virginia Tech or Georgia Tech in the Coastal? I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. But, yeah. anyways, Nick, that's all I've got. Anything else you want to add? If not, uh, obviously, I just want to tell you, Nick, safe travels. Uh, we'll obviously talk when you get back from the new year, and we can really – Nick, Nick it, I, I'm going to say it. It's time to start getting involved. So you better – next time you see the guys in the, in the deli, talk to them. we got to see when they want to come on. we got to get some weight guys on the pod. I'm doing some internal digging. I think we might – I hinted at it before, Nick. I might be able to get a, pre, a pretty big name in college baseball on the show. So if we get him on the show, that will be huge. Um, if we can get – again, I've, I've talked to a couple kids at Clemson. Um, you know, one of our kids – uh, his brother is currently a true freshman at Boston College. Um, so he said that he would be interested in coming on the show, talking about what it's like now with Intergenado there. Um, again, that's the former Wofford coach that I'm – I don't think he likes me, but <laughs> we we know each other, so there's something with that. Um, but, you know, it's – I'm all ready for baseball. I don't even – I'm going to be honest, after – Virginia's absolute shellacking. They took to Memphis. I have checked out of basketball entirely, like for the ACC. Like I'm just being very transparent. Like Virginia plays NC State in a couple. Uh, like fun fact, I, I'm sure you know this. I never knew this. I didn't know that the Canes and NC State could play on the same day at PNC. Did you know that? I haven't seen it happen before, but that doesn't. It happens like me. I guess it happens like every year, and it just so happens that next week, next week. January, the weekend of January 6th, Virginia uh-huh. plays NC State at 2 o'clock in basketball. And then the Canes play at 7. Yeah. Which is crazy because, like, 
It gives you, what, an hour and a half from when the game ends to when the doors open for the game? Like, so I, anyways, long story short, Nick, I thought about maybe doing that. Because, like, again, here I get to watch my favorite team and then watch NHL hockey right afterwards and just tailgate in the parking lot in between. That sounds awesome. That does sound cool. Yeah, right? But, like, you know, again, it's just crazy. Like, that's – but, again, I've kind of checked out of basketball. Sorry, listeners. uh, I'll be happy to recommend other shows to listen to if you want basketball. I'm just going to be honest. Like, our guy, former former co-host on this, Dan Siegel, he does a great job talking HD basketball. If you want to hear real deep side insider information on HD basketball, Dan's your guy, 100%, no doubt. So, anyways, Nick. That's all I've got. Anything else before we go? Nothing else. Um, I think this was really productive. Got the bowl games over with. Um, not much else, man. I mean, hope you had a very Merry Christmas. Uh, and I guess I'll see you in the new year. Uh, I got some ideas for baseball that we can do. Some guys that we can line up and interview before um, – Mid, mid-February, man. I, it's already here. Like, it's literally here. It still feels like we were in that hotel in Omaha. Like, or I'm sorry, Council Bluffs, I should say. But yeah, come on. we No one has to know that we stayed in Iowa. We were, we were in Nebraska <laughs> the whole time. We <laughs> – there were – there were a lot of people that stayed in our hotel. Um, True. But, no, I can't wait. Um, can't wait to recap these bowl games by the end of the new year. Or by the start of the new year, I can't wait to start baseball. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think the ACC has got a lot coming up for baseball this season. A lot of good teams. Um, I think we can get someone from Miami to uh, interview with us. Oh, Obviously, I don't mind. A lot of I was like, guys. <laughs> I was like, ooh, who would be the Miami guy? I know exactly who the Miami guy is now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, almost like he was on this show last year. <laughs> yeah, almost, almost. We can get him. We can get a lot of the weight guys. We can get Moose. Moose has a lot of connections. So, Micah, if you have a coach that you're interested to talk to in the ACC, I mean, I'm like a phone call away. So, if there's someone of interest that we could think of, let's do it. Sounds good. Well, awesome, Nick. Well, enjoy California. Um, Remember to, to pack your purple just to remind that great Bay Area who who Daddy is um, and who the real Harbaugh is in, in the Bay Area. But, um, yeah, no, Nick, as always, looking forward to getting getting back together here in a week or so, and, and it just means a little bit less here in AC country. And uh, go ACC.